Hello and welcome to If Anyone Cares. My name is Riley James. This is episode 86 of the podcast. I'm here in October, October 13th, 2022, a day before this comes out. I recorded both October shows this week in lieu of us being so busy during the football season, both collegially and professional, um, and then the impending World Cup that we are going to be a part of in November. That's the sports journalist side of of me that you guys have proven time and time again you don't care about, so we'll keep it moving. Uh, today on the show, we had Allie Levine, a podcaster, celebrity stylist, Bravo TV personality, and a, a mother for the third time just about a month ago. She talks about being very authentic through her Instagram account and her Twitter account on the internet about being a mother, both during and after her most recent pregnancy. Really an eye-opening show. A lot of the things that I don't ever consider being a guy of what women go through during the process of, of creating life inside their bodies, which is a wild thought in, in and of itself. But we talk about that. We talk about her career and the progression of working for big corporate companies to more of an individual level. And then her podcast and the things that she has recently discovered about herself. And a wildly different show for you guys that, I, that I'm used to and that you're definitely used to hearing. Way beyond my knowledge or expertise so we all learned something a little bit today, and hopefully my line of questioning wasn't too bad. Some things to get to before the show, you guys know. Uh, you can follow Allie at Allie Levine Design on all things on the internet, all things that she has. We'll put her link tree in the show description. You can go down there and see what Allie is a part of and what she is doing. As for our show, you can follow us on Twitter at if anyone cares underscore. You can follow me personally at Riley James IAC on Twitter and Instagram. If you like the show, you can find it through Spotify. We have 10 show sponsored playlists with Spotify. Again, we'll put a link to that in the show description. IAC X, which means times for those kids at home. Spotify, you'll see it in the show notes. And then finally, we're also available on iTunes and Google Play. Go check us out there. If you get the show through iTunes, please leave a review. The art is made by the incomparable Spencer Ware, and the music is a collaboration between all good folks and IAC Productions. And without further ado, let's get to episode 86 of If Anyone Cares. For Ali Levine, I'm Riley James. If anyone cares, enjoy the show. On the line from right outside of Nashville, Tennessee, is, I mean, I could give you this like lengthy 10-minute intro about everything she's done, but you know her from, you know, her time as a Bravo TV personality, a celebrity stylist. You probably follow her on Instagram if you're listening to this show, and, and ultimately someone who made time for us in the middle of you know taking care of a newborn baby i cannot be more thankful for ali levine ali thank you so much for making time and how are you yes thank you so much for having me i'm i'm excited to be here and uh, you know it's nice to take a break from uh, nursing and new motherhood again to get to jump on and have a fun conversation on your show so thanks for having me yeah absolutely and this is what your your third child right yes this is my third child and my first boy okay so Obviously, I want to jump right into the you know being a mother and motherhood and all that kind of stuff because I am I am not a mother. 
Uh, I have one though, and she's been great. I was <laughs> I was her last child, and uh, I'm okay. 22 now, so it's been a while for her. So the you know the the first couple weeks, right, of a newborn baby, that's really stressful. You're not sleeping all the time. You're you're getting to know this this new person in your life. What's it been like the last month? Because I know your your son turns. Uh, you said tomorrow turns one month, right? Yes, you're right. Yeah, it's, um, <laughs> I think when you're third, you know, um, it's different, right? Like as a new mom, when I had my first daughter, Amelia, who's, you know, four and a half years old now, I just remember feeling like so overwhelmed and so alone. And at this point, you know, I had started having, you know, very heavy, you know, uh, postpartum blues that eventually turned into postpartum depression. Um, and so, you know, I think back to that and then now having my third baby and it's definitely you know crazier and made more chaotic because I have a four-year-old and a two-year-old and I have all these businesses and all of these things but I think because of my own you know um experiences and stepping very much heavy into the wellness world and to my own kind of spiritual journey um and practices that I do daily it's helped me to just be in a much more peaceful place. And it doesn't mean that things aren't crazy and that, you know, I don't still have moments, but I just think I have way more inner peace. I have way more trust in myself. Um, and I feel way more empowered as a mother, um, you know, being a mom of three. And it is still overwhelming, but it's a different type of um, overwhelm. And it's an overwhelm that I feel overall, you know, I can manage. I mean, don't get me wrong, the other night, um, and my son wouldn't stop nursing and they call it, you know, clustering when they just keep eating and eating and eating. And I looked at my husband at nine o'clock at night and I said, you need to freaking take him because I need a minute. I got to go do something. I got to, I got to get out of this space, you know, and, uh, but I recognized it. Um, and I think, you know, I was able to communicate that and, and share it and get the support. Whereas I think new moms have a really hard time because you don't know what you need and you don't know how to necessarily communicate um, and find empowerment and you just kind of feel lost because you're meeting a new version of yourself. Like that was one of the biggest things I kind of honestly had a hard time with with motherhood is like everyone told me what to expect, you know, with the birth and the baby and the this and that. And nobody tells you like, hey, by the way, like you're going to meet a whole new version of yourself and you're going to have no effing clue who you are. Yeah, no, that's that's wild is, is just... <laughs> you know, your hormones are going crazy. You know, you're like, you know, you're trying to support this human and, you know, all this stuff. And nobody says like, Hey, you know, your body's going to change. Your hormones are going to be all over. You're going to be looking at yourself. Like, who am I? Like, what is happening? And all while trying to, you know, support this new life and all the things. And I think that was my biggest thing was I was just like, wow, I felt so prepared for so many things, but not you know, n not this. And so I think, you know, being a third time mom now, I know all those things. And so even though there's things that may come up that still surprise me, I have better tools. I have, you know, more support and I know how to communicate when I need more support. I think that's a huge part of what us as mothers um, need to learn. And also like, in my opinion, to lean into that, like, it's totally okay to have support and like it does take a village whether you've got one or three or five or whatever it may be like you, you know that support is so necessary so you you mentioned something very interesting there and uh recognizing when you do need support the uh very and we'll talk about the authenticity of of how you've gone about your your you know pregnancy process and then and, and after the birth and everything but sure. recognizing that you need help what was the what was the process for for you to 
you know, have those like alarms in your head to tell you that you cannot do this right now. You need someone to step in. And how did you get past the, um, you know, the, I don't want to call it shame, but there is something that comes with that. Oh yeah. There's not... shame. There's guilt. There's, yeah. yeah. I mean, there's a lot for sure. Um, yeah, it's a good question. So, well, you know, I think I learned a lot from, you know, my first, you know, daughter, you know, being a new mom, um, as I mentioned, you know, after um, a little bit of time, I, you know, fell very heavy into postpartum depression uh, with my first daughter. And I didn't honestly recognize it um, at first because I had no clue, you know, when I was a new mom. I also definitely had the guilt, the shame, um, the, you know, the, the fear, uh, the limiting beliefs, everything kind of came into play and I didn't want to acknowledge it. I didn't want to you know, believe it. So with my first daughter, it was definitely, um, a hard lesson of, you know, I ignored a lot of red flags. Um, you know, I very much kind of shut off everything and just pretended like I was okay until I couldn't pretend anymore. And then, you know, my husband, um, one night we were laying in bed and I just remember looking at him and I, and I looked at him and I I just said, Justin, I just feel like I'm mourning the death of myself. And he just looked at me and stared at me. And, and I actually had quite the relief, Riley. Like, I was like, oh, okay, that felt good to get off my chest. And he had, like, the opposite reaction and was like, holy crap, what did you just say? Like, you know, and I was like, I, I don't know. Like, that's just how I feel. And he's like, whoa, like, are you okay? And I was like, yeah, I'm fine. And he was like, oh, I don't think so. And then from there, it just kind of snowballed. It was like I was really struggling and my best friend started noticing um, you know, that I was off and, and it just kind of continued. And, and so that took me a little while to actually, um, acknowledge and recognize and ask for help, um, with that. But then, you know, from learning from that experience and going through, uh, postpartum depression and having to, you know, find therapy and find different modalities that work for me and, um, finding meditation, which truly I believe saved my life in so many ways. Um, you know, taking that forward now, having my third baby, like, I recognize that I need to meditate in the morning and at night, regardless if I'm nursing, if there's chaos going on in the house, like everyone knows in my space, like mama meditates and does her breath work before she starts the day. Like unless there's literally an emergency and something can't wait, that is how the morning starts and that is how the evening ends because that is how I stay in a very, I don't want to say balanced, but you know, harmonious place. I'm able to have that inner peace and I'm able to tap into that and know like, okay, this is part of my grounding and this is how I feel supported in me. And then, you know, just learning from that as well of like reaching out for help and, and speaking to that and communicating it. Like my mother-in-law is here, my father-in-law, my mother-in-law and father Laura being so helpful and helping with, you know, the kids and visiting and spending time. And when I need a break, you know, handing my son Abel off and being able to do that. And, you know, I think a lot of times as new moms, we do feel that guilt of like, I shouldn't have to hand my baby off. I, I should be able to handle it. And I've had to let go of all that and those stories that we tell ourselves and just say, you know what? I could use five minutes to go to the bathroom. I could use 10 minutes to eat something. So yeah, I'm going to hand him off and I'm not going to allow, you know, these limiting beliefs and and stories that I make up in my head to tell me differently. I'm going to acknowledge how I feel in this moment and stay present to that. And I think that's come a lot from my meditation, my breath work, my wellness and, you know, spirituality journey that I started a few years ago. I I would love to mention that you said if there's chaos in the house with, you know, three children under the age of five, that's, that's the thing that got me. (laughs) (laughs) And there's always chaos. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's, I have a, um, 
a sign in my office that says embrace the chaos because I finally had to come to a place where it's like, this is the season that you're in, right? Like you have little children, you know, you, you chose, you know, to be in this space. I'm, I'm what a blessing these children are, but of course there is chaos. Of course there is going to be, you know, craziness and things that happen and things that you can't control. And I think the more I've leaned into that, that is the season and that that is totally okay and normal, the more I don't trigger off of it, the more I'm able to just look at it and be like, they're just being hit. And unless it's like literally, you know, truly an emergency or someone's really hurting someone, you know, or something's happening that's dangerous, I'm not, you know, I'm not in panic mode. I'm not triggering. I'm not, you know, flipping out. And that took time and and a lot of embodiment to be able to be in that space. But it feels so much better that when I, you know, turn around and I see them, you know, being a little crazy and making a mess that I'm not like, oh, clean it up. Like, I'm just like, okay. Like they're making a mess and having fun. When they're done, we'll clean it up. And and I think coming from that space has also made it easier for me to stay like in that more calm inner peace and be able to like return to my, you know, self and be like, okay, I'm not overwhelmed. I don't feel crazed. And I think also too, like just letting go of the like everything has to be done. Like some days I feel like I show up and I do laundry and I do the dishwasher and I I do all the things and everything's like super, you know, put together. And other days the house looks like a bomb blew up, but like my business is killing it. Like sometimes you just can't have it every which way. Right. No, that's, I don't have kids. I'm not married. I don't have any of those other responsibilities, but even, you know, just from the standpoint of like having my life together and having a clean, you know, living space and an office and everything. Yeah. The show may, may have done great this past week, but my desk has stuff all over it and sticky notes <laughs> everywhere. And yeah, it's, you know, a, a lesser form of, of having kids and all that kind of stuff. But yes, it's, it's, you, you can pick and choose your battles along the way. And that's seemingly right. what you've been able to do. I want to talk about this, um, this like authenticity, uh, aspect that you have really kind of ran with and, and embraced, uh, you know, through, you know, before your pregnancy and then especially through your pregnancy and, and after what, what is being so open on social media given you? Oh yeah, sure. Uh, so, you know, as far as that whole, you know, like authenticity, I think that's become such a buzzword, unfortunately now. Um, and I feel like everyone's like trying to play in the space of quote unquote being authentic. And I appreciate that you said, you know, like from the space of posting to how you actually live life. And, you know, I think for me, it came from a place of, again, I spoke to the most part of depression and without getting heavy into that, um, cause most know my story between social media and, you know, everything, but, um, I was in a really dark place. And so when I found like the light at the end of the tunnel and I was able to pick myself back up and really work on myself and, um, you know, move through everything, I really honestly looked at life so differently. Um, and I still do. Um, and it really shook me, uh, you know, and, and truly kind of um, <laughs> stripped me, which I know I was, you know, on Bravo's show, but I swear, like, it really, it stripped me to a new level of, like, not only appreciation, but just to, like, how to show up and how to be uh, for my own sanity, let alone anybody else. And I think for so long, um, especially in Hollywood and styling and all these things, I was really performing and not meaning to, um, and not realizing it either doing it unconsciously, but like really just performing all the time and, and showing up so perfectly, quote unquote, even though I wasn't, you know, by any means perfect, but 
feeling so having to be so primed and prepped and all these things. And so when I went through a postpartum depression and, you know, really couldn't show up in that space at all. Um, and let alone show up for myself, you know, coming out of that, I, I realized like, okay, in order to move forward, like that kind of part of Allie has to die. Like this old part of me had to go. And that was really hard. And I had to almost like grieve all that. Cause that was like so much work of my own brand and career and all these things I had done, but I had to let go of it for a minute because I was really struggling. And so, you know, it started out when I first started showing up online on Instagram, like I normally would post the most perfect pictures and, you know, filters and make sure that they had the best lighting and all the things. And, you know, here I am as a new mom, you know, or even, you know, pregnant and I don't feel that way. And, you know, I don't like have that access to like get myself together and I'm just like, oh, this sucks. Like, and, and I just like would take pictures that were raw and I started sharing them. And I just remember that when I posted a really raw photo of myself, um, when I was like, I don't want to say a few months into having Amelia, um, and I was like a mess and I was like in a t-shirt and I just looked like a total hot mess compared to how I would normally show up online. And I remember posting it and I remember being like really um, uncomfortable and really vulnerable about sharing it. But the beautiful thing that happened after I posted it was so many people, especially moms, reached out to me and said like, wow, that really resonates for me or wow, I really need to hear that. And so to answer your question, you know, it started giving me a community. It started bringing me into a space of connection and relationships. And I know to some people that sounds really weird because it's social media, but really, in my opinion, social media was created in the beginning to have relationships and to, you know, create and be able to share and be kind of a space where people could communicate. And unfortunately, obviously, it's taken on a life of its own, as most things do. But I believe that's kind of where it started. And so for me, I had never really had that community before or that type of support. I had, quote unquote, fans. I hate saying that because I just kind of think it sounds so stupid, but I had more of people that were just kind of following me because they wanted to see, you know, who I was dressing and what I was doing, but there was no real communication and there was no real like care for me, if that makes sense. And when I started sharing the things I was going through, as hard as the things I was going through were, the community came and all of a sudden, like my following took off more and people were like DMing me and I was getting like real engagement and it just changed. And now you know, being a few years into this, you know, journey and really sharing so much so openly. Yeah, of course, I get, you know, typical trolling and, you know, rude, you know, comments and whatever. But overall, it's been positive feedback. It's been connections. It's been building of my business. It's been real relationships. Um, it's really just been community. And so I'm so grateful that I was able to allow myself to kind of shed my ego and step into a space of authenticity where people can connect with me. You know, I had people say to me, wow, I never knew that, um, you know, you felt that way or I knew this side of you and I always felt intimidated by you and I would follow you and I'm like intimidated by me and that would make me laugh because I never felt like I was an intimidating person. But apparently, you know, showing up in that space of, you know, full glam, filtered, et cetera, et cetera, you know, was creating that. And then when those walls came down and you just saw this like real raw person, woman, mother, it shook something in my, you know, space and people started reaching out to me. So it's really changed 
Um, not only the way I just choose to show up all the time because I feel like I need to know and I kind of have to, um, but it's also made me feel more empowered to just show up authentically in my life, period. Like what you see is what you get. And it's so great because I'm looking at your Instagram right now. It's at Ali Levine Design, uh, basically in every platform. You can correct me if I'm wrong, but there is a there's a video clip of you um, do exactly what I'm wearing now, a hoodie, <laughs> doing a podcast. <laughs> it's like this is so relatable because you know in my industry, you know, my, given style hasn't changed much, and and you know people on television uh, doing sports. Uh, in you know, probably ever, you know, since the sixties when sportscasters really got going, um, it's shirt and tie. So there's a lot of like, uh, there's a lot of surprise on social media when I'm like doing videos in a hoodie or doing videos in whatever else. Right. That was the initial right. reaction I got when I'm not at a stadium doing a game. It's like, Oh, you're like a person. It's like, <laughs> Oh, that's, that's awesome. And you know, I've stepped away from, from doing, most of those things and being exclusively like, I'm going to wear a suit and, and, and do that on social media as well to now, right. you know, conversational stuff like this. And if anyone cares, it's taken off. I'm very grateful for that. But ultimately it's giving, you know, people a new side of you. And that's kind of what you've done as well is you allowed people to see, um, you know, not behind closed doors. Cause there has to be some type of separation between what you allow people to see. But, Ultimately, there is there's three levels to it where, yeah, this is what I'm actually like, and this is how I interact with other people, and this is how I usually look. So, right. you know, if you, if you can accept that, let's go. Let's grow a following, and totally. let's be and relatable. And I think it also gave me, like, I love that you said that. I think it also gave me, like, just um, more flexibility to feel like I could show up, right? Because... When I used to show up, I was always, like, perfect. Like I said, I'm primed and, you know, lashes and the whole nine yards. And don't get me wrong, like, I love to get glam. But those days are, you know, far and few between, whereas I used to be every day, you know, back in the day. And I can feel like I can jump on in a T-shirt or a hoodie and jump on my stories and talk to my followers. I didn't used to feel that way. You know, I used to feel like I had to be ready to get on. And I think that feeling that authenticity more and more being able to just be my raw self and be like, you know what? Some days I look hot and some days not so much. And I can jump on and still have authentic conversations has really given me like more empowerment to be like, cool, I get to just show up as me. And like, that's how people receive me. And if they receive it, awesome. And if they don't like cool, then they're not for me. I, I, I want to ask one more question. We'll move on to uh, some other things that you've done in your career and, and sure. other things like that. But there is a there is a dark side and there is kind of a, a a line with being authentic on the internet. Do you ever feel like you've shared too much about Allie? For sure, that's a good question. I mean, look, um, so like my family hasn't always really loved that I share so much about myself, um, and that's been hard uh, because you know your family is so important to you, and you know that's your real life, right? And it's hard when you have shared so much. Um, and certain people don't receive it that way. But I think, again, I've had to come back to a place of this is my community and this is what I choose to share. And I, I pray and, and hope that when I share, I'm helping at least one person um, with what I share. And so, you know, um, yes, there are definitely dark moments. Yes, there's definitely times where it can be hard uh, to receive certain feedback or, you know, realize that like, ooh, maybe, you know, there was a lot shared. But at the same time, 
overall, you know, I have gotten emails, you know, notes, letters, uh, the list goes on, people that I don't know from all over the world who have said, you know, you helped me because you said this, or I realized that I was going through postpartum depression because you told me this, and I went and got help, or, you know, I saw you talk about, you know, this type of wellness, and, you know, it changed the way I look at my body, like, the conversations and, you know, the feedback overall in a positive space is outweigh the negative by massive amounts. And so for me, there are days, yes, where it can be dark and I have to kind of just detox. Honestly, I walk away, I take a break from social media. I tell myself that's okay. And I don't show up, but you know, and then when I come back, I feel stronger and I can regroup and I can feel like, okay, I'm back in a good space. Um, and I'm helping people. And that's what I think is most important to me is that I'm uplifting and empowering my community. And I'm being truthful about what's going on, even if that sometimes is hard. And sometimes I have to process things personally, you know, on my own before I can share it publicly, you know, and I think that that's okay too. And again, that's at Allie Levine design on Instagram and a plethora of other places. We'll put her. Yeah, you're right. It's the same. Yeah. It's just, I'm pretty sure it's the same everywhere. I tried to keep it the same everywhere. Yeah. It's really hard to, to have that same thing. Um, yeah. I had to put IAC at the end of my name just so it's the same everywhere else, but we'll put right, her, exactly. we'll put her link tree in the show description so you can find all the things that she is doing. Um, but it's, it's great that, you know, you mentioned, um, you know, all these positives and all these great things that people have said and, and reached out about um, outweigh the negatives and the negatives can get so, you know, loud. It's not yes, about how many sure. people are on your side. It's about who's yelling the loudest. And that's kind of, um, that's kind of what social media is. And it's kind of the profession that you and I chose of being on the internet. So it's, yeah. it's good that you've, you've filtered that out, but I, I want to go back a little bit, maybe back further than, um, than the other topic I have, but ultimately you, you were a Hollywood stylist. Like you were in Los Angeles, you were doing, um, and, and dressing people. Uh, yeah. that's really dope. Like that's really, really cool. Uh, what was the start of all of that? That's a question from my mother, by the way, my mother is a, oh, a fan of that. yours. That's awesome. So, uh, uh, yeah. How does that start? Um, let's see. Well, I've always loved fashion. Um, my grandmother who is on the other side now, um, who my first daughter Amelia, is named after, she was always into fashion. She always dressed the finest and looked, uh, the most fabulous. So she was definitely one of my first inspirations as a young, young girl. We would go, you know, shopping, we would look at colors, we would look at clothes. She would help me paint, teach me how to sew. I mean, the list goes on. So I was really, um, inspired by all of that at a really young age. And then as I got older, I would go to like fashion shows with her. And when I was a kid, I was modeling, you know, in those little fashion shows and, you know, all that kind of stuff. So I got really into it at a young age and really found a passion for it. And I really think um, besides loving fashion and the way things came together and colors and the designs and all these things, I really think that a huge part of why I also loved it was watching people transform, you know, um, at a young age, I would start noticing um, how people would feel when they start to get changed, whether it be into a costume or, you know, into, a, you know, a beautiful outfit. Even when we go to like the mall or a boutique and I'd be with my grandmother or my mom, my grandmother, we'd be hanging out and having a girl's day. And I just remember even as a young kid, you know, I'd be standing there trying something on and someone else, a stranger next door is trying something on. And I would go stand there, you know, and she'd be looking at herself in the mirror and I would see 
you know, how, you know, excited she felt when she would look at herself. And I would, you know, like, just give a random compliment just because, you know, I'm a kid and, you know, you say what you want to say. And I'd be like, oh, you look really beautiful in that dress. Or like, that color looks amazing on you. You know, my mom, my, my grandmother would like laugh at me, but I did this with everyone. And so I feel like it was like innate within me. Like, I just loved watching that transformation, how people were lit up. So I always had this fascination within that and fashion in general, of how clothes came together and and colors and, and all that. Um, and so then fast forward, you know, I, I did a ton of fashion classes in high school that I was able to access. And then college, I studied fashion merchandising and design and fashion show production and all these different things. Um, and then, you know, ended up in retail. I started out in Target. Um, I was a executive of Softline, so I was like the top management and opening up one of their stores in New York, their flagship store. Um, and so I started out, you know, really on the ground level, learning about retail and how to work all the logistics. And then I moved over into corporate design and I started designing a coach and Talbots and the cost and the list goes on. Um, and then, uh, to, you know, really date myself, uh, the stock market crashed. Um, and so I was out of a job, you know, all corporate was really struggling, especially the design world. And I was goodbye, you know, <laughs> I didn't have a job. Um, and that really put me in such a hard place. And I just remember thinking, oh, my God, I found my passion and I love what I'm doing. And now it's gone. Like, what the heck? Um, and I had no idea what to do with myself. And that's what led me into the entertainment world. Uh, luckily, I had some friends and family that were in the business. And I was like, hey, is there anything I can do? Because, like, I literally don't have a job and I'm not trying to sit on unemployment. You know, <laughs> I need a job. Um, and so I, you know, was able to get different interviews and I uh, interviewed actually with the famous Oliver Stone um, for Wall Street Money Never Sleeps. And I met him and his team. And I was telling him all about fashion and all my things. I remember he sitting there looking at me like this chick is nuts. And he looked at me and he goes, I don't need any of that. I just need someone to get my coffee at four in the morning and to maybe cut some scripts in the morning and possibly go get my dry cleaning. You think you can handle that? And I was like, uh, <laughs> um, you know, but I needed a job and I was desperate. Um, and so I said, yeah, okay, sure. Um, and that's how I kind of wound up. Um, in the Hollywood space. Um, in New York, I worked on Wall Street Money Never Sleeps. I'm originally from New York, um, if people don't know that. And uh, so I, you know, started working for him on that movie. After quite some time, uh, he was impressed with my work ethic and saw how badly I wanted to experience the fashion side. So I got introduced to the famous Ellen Mirajnik costume designer um, and got to work in that department and with her. And I got to start to learn, um, you know, as an assistant, uh, kind of what it was all about. Now, of course, I was still doing coffee and donuts and feeding her cat and doing her groceries and everything. But I was at least getting to be a uh, front seat of the action, even though I wasn't really doing anything. Um, and that's kind of what started my journey. And from there, I moved on and worked on a bunch of movies in New York and TV shows and Back in the day, I worked with Jessica Simpson and Nick Lachey, and they were an item um, on Newlyweds and a bunch of other projects. And then um, went to Atlanta to work on Big Mama's House uh, with uh, Martin Lawrence. And that was kind of the, the big move that got me to L.A., uh, Martin Lawrence and his team and the costume team. Uh, we all really connected well, and they were kind of like, what are you doing in New York? And I was like, well, I'm born and raised here, you know. And they were like, you should be in L.A., you should be, you know, doing this, doing that. They offered me an opportunity to go to Los Angeles uh, back in 2010, 
um, and said, hey, you know, would you want to come out and work with us and, you know, put in the work? And I said, yeah, I mean, what else, you know, I don't have anything here. What do I have to lose? Packed my bags and a month later, got rid of my apartment um, in uh, Hoboken, right outside of New York City, and moved to L.A. And that was the start of my journey. That's, wow. Um <laughs> That's that's quite incredible. I mean, getting coffee, feeding cats, dry cleaning, all I that know, kind of right? stuff. To... I mean, it's kind of Devil Wears Prada, if you will. You know, anyone who's seen that movie or watched I was... that idea of the premise. <laughs> I was going to ask you about that film. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Later it was pretty, pretty much. I mean, I was feeding her cat. I was getting coffee at four in the morning. Uh, you know, black no whip, I remember to this day. Um, you know, <laughs> you know, um, I was, you know, oh my God, I, I, oh my gosh, I just remember one time I did not check the coffee because it was so early and I was exhausted and I, we had been on set for like 18 hours a day every day for like weeks. And I just remember I went to a Starbucks in the city and I remember I didn't check and I came back and I handed him and the team the coffees. And of course his coffee was the one that was wrong. And Oliver just looked at me and said, there's whip. And I was like, okay. And I just remember like wanting to shrink down to literally nothing. And I was like, and I looked at um, his supervisor and I was like, what should I do? And he's like, don't look at me. And I was like, okay. And so I, uh, <laughs> I went back to Starbucks with a cup, hysterical crying, and was like, my boss didn't want women. And they were like, oh my gosh, okay, it's okay, it's okay. And I'm like, and I don't have money to pay for it. You know, and they were like, it's okay, we'll give you a new one. So, <laughs> I, I don't, I don't want, trust me, you don't, I'm not going to put you, put you in a position to bad mouth anyway, but that, is that pretty much the standard amongst the, the big name people in the design world? Is I that, mean, is that I like a they, thing? Yeah, I think they expect, you know, pretty close to, you know, top level, um, you know, performance and, and I mean, to his point, you know, and credit, I mean, I didn't check, you know, I really was checking every day and I was just tired, um, you know, and, and I'm human, you know, and I made a mistake, um, but a mistake that really taught me, um, about details and, you know, diligence and being consistent and, you know, it was a good lesson for me, honestly, because I never did that again. I might have had other mistakes, but not that. <laughs> um, you know, and um, yeah, I would say overall, I think they expect, you know, a certain level. Um, and, you know, they've earned it, uh, you know, to, you know, to uh, his credit. Um, and you know what, as much as he was so intense, I have to say, you know, he saw my hard work ethic and he put me in the costume department and let me work there, you know, quite often. And he really um, gave me a glowing recommendation, him and his team, when I was done with the movie. Um, so for as much as everyone can say, you know, how crazy he can be and all the things, he really, I think when he sees people's work ethic and, and how hard they show up and work, you know, he rewards that. But at the same time, he also really makes you work for it and wants you to really know how you know, intense the business and the industry is, which I mean, I think most industries are, but there is something really intense about the entertainment industry. Man, I need to run a, a, a tighter ship here at IAC. This is, people are missing stuff all the time. If I just, need, <laughs> I, I just yell at them, I'd, I'd probably be better. That's probably not the way to run the business. Nevertheless, that that's that's an all-fair discussion for me and the people that do stuff for me. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> no, yeah, I, I get it. Trust me. Well, and you know, it's funny. It's like I used to kind of be the same years ago when I had assistance as a top stylist, you know, and I would like flip out and be like, you know, you need to do this. And then as I've, you know, gotten, you know, like older and then also became a mom, like it just doesn't feel right. Like, you know, when my assistants messed up on something with a podcast, like, I'm like, 
all right, it's okay. Just don't do that again, please. Like, just pay more attention. Like, I don't have the same, you know, I feel like I've become more lax because of, like, a lot of my changes in my own life. It, like, doesn't feel right to, like, show up in that space. And unless something's, like, really, you know, dire or super wrong or, like, really mess something up, like, I just... I can't show up in that space anymore, you know? So I, I, I hear you, but I definitely did for a while when I was, uh, you know, really at the top of my game and styling and I, well, I was getting, you know, come down on, right? Like I was dealing with the manager, the agent, you know, the celebrity themselves, all the things. And then I would pass that, you know, to my team and be like, you know, what the f- you know, it's like, you know, so I, you know, I, I get it on, on, on all ends, you know, and when, and I think the entertainment industry can be extremely uh, high stress and, and, you know, exhausting. And it's funny, I've met so many people now in my like wellness and spirituality space that were in that space and said it was time for them to have a change of scenery. So I'm not the only one. No, that's, that's, that's funny. And no, I'm not going to yell at the people that helped me out with the podcast. I promise <laughs> the people that nevertheless. Um, so Ali, I am a, by trade, uh, a sports journalist and, um, very different field you and I are, are in and fields over the course of your, your career, but I'm going to relate it in my mind to something I deal with all the time, which is scouting and getting players on, up to the next level. When you are, uh, tasked with dressing someone like you dressed Dr. Laura Purdy, who was on the show episode 84. You dressed her, uh, this week, this past weekend, right? This, this yeah. past weekend. Okay. So you dressed her. What is the process that you, you ramp up to, to be able to get someone dressed for an event? Sure. So, I mean, everybody's different, obviously when I dress them, right. But I mean, first off, I ask them, you know, what is the event? I get the details on, you know, what are they, you know, what are they doing? How are they showing up? You know, um, what is, you know, the type of event? Is it, you know, is it cocktail? Is it red carpet? Is it the gala? Like she went to this past weekend, you know, in Los Angeles. Is it a corporate event? Like I get the details, right? And I usually have a conversation with them, have a consult. We go over and make sure it's like a good fit. We go over kind of how I work and the way things go. And then I create a Pinterest board usually is the easiest way to create a mood board. Basically lays out like here's the ideas of inspiration. Here's the looks. Here's what I'm going to kind of be putting you in. Um, you know, don't get married to this because chances are it's not going to be this exactly, but this is the idea. Um, I usually send some outfits that might be potential actual outfits. And then I get their approval or the manager's approval or whoever it may be, depending on, you know, who's kind of deciding. Um, and then once I get approval that, hey, this is good, then I start sourcing. I start reaching out to showrooms. I start reaching out to brands, to stores, depending on the level of, you know, who it is. You know, like everyone's different, right? If it's an everyday person, it's stores, it's boutiques, it's, you know, online, it's that, that kind of thing, depending on if they're going in person or if they're going to go shop online. If it's a celebrity or somebody of high caliber, then it's showrooms, different designers, individual relationships. Um, so it just depends on, you know, what's going on. And then I start creating it. Um, and then, you know, once I know that I have what they need, we start getting ready for a fitting. We start putting the looks together. Okay, we've got the gown. The gown looks great. Now we're building, you know, everything that comes together, the accessories, the jewelry, the purse, you know, all of that um, to bring everything cohesively together to really, you know, say, okay, this look, you know, looks great. And, you know, they've got the head to toe look all put together and they're good to go, you know, and then I've got the sign off from whoever, again, is management or the celebrity themselves who says, I feel good. I love it. 
and then you know then kind of how I wrap it up and let them know obviously like who they're wearing so that they get asked on the carpet or by you as a journalist or whatever it may be they can speak to their outfit sometimes we go over posing and what it looks like if they aren't sure how to you know pose in something they're wearing um and that's kind of the overall you know perspective and it really just depends on different people's needs but it really starts with meeting with me and a consult to figure out that I'm a fit and to also, you know, go over like what they're needing and looking for. Are they revamping their closet? Are they having a specific event? Are they struggling in what they're wearing and they have no clue, any direction? Like, of course, everyone's different. So really figuring out what they need, what they're looking for, I can help them and then taking it to the next level. That is all so foreign to me, (laughs) which is... Like that, I think that's a testament to to the country that we live in is the fact that these jobs can exist. What is the ultimate decision for you to go full time with this? Because this is very scary. So making that leap to move past, you know, corporate places and moving past, you know, being a stylist in Hollywood and working for different people to now what you're doing with just being an entrepreneur and being a podcast host. Oh, wow. Honestly, I feel like a lot of it I fell into. Um, you know, like I was explaining with the postpartum depression and, you know, sharing authentically, um, to be honest, I feel like, you know, God and the universe and everything kind of just supported me in my new journey. Um, as I started sharing authentically and my real raw self, um, more and more brands started reaching out on social media, wanting to partner with me and wanting me to, you know, share my stories and, you know, be able to partner with a product to explain it or partner with the brand, to tell my story, Um, And that kind of brought me into the content creator space. Then when I kind of needed a place to speak to things versus just writing them down or blogging about it, that's when the podcast um, came to me and I felt like I needed to get my thoughts out and it was more of like a place to just vent and be able to feel like I was freeing myself of my thoughts. Um, It just happened to turn into a show and people, you know, you know, really related to it and wanted to listen to it. Um, And so, you know, it honestly... It, things have just kind of happened as I've felt like I've put myself out into those spaces. Um, you know, and in my opinion, I think that's what happens. You know, I think to me, everything is energy. When you put something out in the world and you say, you know, I really want this or I want to show up in this space or I want to share this because I think it'll help others. I really believe whatever for people, God, the universe, you know, whatever it may be, um, shows up and supports you. Um, and really, um, you know, gives you that green light of like, okay, you know, like you, you know, we, you've got this kind of thing. Um, so that's kind of been for me, what's happened overall and things have led to different journeys. Uh, you know, like I said, with meditation, meditation really helped change my perspective in many ways on things and changed my life. And I think saved my life with postpartum depression in many ways. And then, you know, 2020 for all of us was a crazy spin to say the least. Um, and I was really having a hard time struggling with most, and I was pregnant with my second daughter. Um, meditation wasn't doing it for me anymore, and that's when I found breathwork, or breathwork found me. Um, and that's how I ended up becoming a breathwork facilitator, because breathwork changed my life and the way I showed up and the way I just did things every day. And I thought, wow, um, if, if this helps me so much, how do I not step into space and help others so much. And I think that's always been my thing is like, of course, you know, I want to do well and I want to be a successful entrepreneur and all the things that I always think about, like, how am I going to show up in space? 
How am I going to help others? What's this going to do, you know, for people? And so, you know, from styling of transforming people and having people feel good to now being a certified breathwork facilitator and coach and being able to coach people through with their breath and feeling good and shift through limiting beliefs and potentially heal themselves with different things. That's really what's just helped me to continue to shift and show up. And it doesn't mean it's easy to make those changes, but I just trust um in myself and also um in god and leading me and i feel like i just keep being put into new spaces you know and, and, and new connections and new opportunities and i just keep trusting in what's showing up so something that's fascinated me about you know kind of getting to know you for the last 42 minutes at least on the raw time that i can see up top i this you know Listeners will see a, t- a different time, as you as you know, as a podcaster. But ultimately, the uh, the thing that pops out at me the most about you getting the chance to make people feel great about themselves, because essentially mm-hmm. that's that's the job, right? Is making sure. them feel their absolute best for event A or you know reason B, right? That that's the right. that's the thing. Uh, the juxtaposition of bringing the things that you like and the things that mm-hmm. you think look good versus what's going to fit the other person. And ultimately the, the really the, the question that is top of mind for me is what are the, the steps you go through in making sure that someone is absolutely satisfied with what you're putting out there instead of what you think looks best on them to make sure that they're, feeling the best possible way about themselves. Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, I always say confidence is your best accessory, and I've recently added in authenticity is your superpower. So for me, I really make sure they feel like themselves. You know, unless they're supposed to be showing up in a space where, you know, there are certain, you know, whatever, playing a part and whatever, um, I really make sure that they feel good in it. You know, like when you put something on, I always ask the four Fs. Uh, you know, if the first one is, um, the fit, you know, how does it fit on you? How does it, you know, how, do, how does it feel when you look at yourself? Is it fitting well? It's not, you know, baggy. It's not too tight. It's not puckering. It's not wrinkling. It's not doing all these things that the garment shouldn't do on you. Like it fits well, you know? And then after that, for me, it's, you know, the fabric. How does the fabric feel on you? Because some people are more sensitive to certain fabrics. And, you know, what is, you know, what is that like to you? And, you know, what does that feel like to you um and then for me it's really the feel of it you know how do how do you feel in it what is it giving for you with you know the way you know it is and and does it function for you it's like this feeling function do you feel good in it and then can you function in it and can you do things in it you know whether it be walking down a red carpet or if you have to be at a brunch and you know able to speak and do all the things and then f for fashion like really the style like does it embody like your style and what you were feeling or what you were thinking with your vision and your inspiration and so if those four f's can be met and they can really feel authentically themselves and feel confident in what they're wearing then i feel confident in them being able to show up and really look like a star, no matter if they're a mom, they're a celebrity, or anything in between, they really feel like a million bucks. Um, and you can see it, you know, you can see it in the way they embody, you can see it in the way that they're, you know, glowing and excited, you see the transformation. I can see the change in confidence when I'm on with them, either in person or on a Zoom or, you know, on Google Meet or whatever it may be for a consult. I can tell 
that they feel good in what they're wearing. And that's what's most important to me is that true transformation and that confidence that comes through. And that's why you're better at this than I am. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, that's it's really great because I I have talked to a lot of people in a lot of different roles, but this one is, is different because it's a matter of opinion, right? And right. Um, there's no right answer. There are wrong answers, but there's no definite right answer. A lot of things could work, but finding the thing that works the most is kind of the balance. And um, obviously, getting it right 100% of the time is impossible. And uh, it seems like it's working out for you. It seems like you're in the, the 99th percentile, but ultimately... I, mean, I have moments where clients <laughs> aren't happy, and that's just life, you know? Right. You learn from it, um, and you realize it's not about you. A lot of times, sadly, it's about them and their insecurities. And so I think also over the years, I've learned that, and I've tried to really attune to how people feel and really make sure they're comfortable. Um, and, you know, also not have a client if they're not a fit. You know, that was also a learning process over the years of, like, some people you're just not going to be in alignment with, you know, and and that's okay. No, and that's fine. Yeah, that's that's perfectly fine to not take, you know, take the business because it's yeah, just not totally. going to work out for either party. And, and that's something, you know, you, you're a podcaster. You know that, you know, we have bad shows too. Every show oh, is yeah, not great. Sure. You have an interview and you're like, oh gosh, I don't know if I can air that. Oh yeah, I've had plenty of those. Yeah, That's like this is episode 86. I can say there are about you know eight or nine of them I don't love. Right, for sure. <laughs> but no, that's that's fascinating to be. Uh, I let, let's talk about something um, that people probably probably know you most for. Is that your time at Bravo TV? Sure. Um, what did you do, and uh, how did it? escalate your career your career to what it is oh my gosh um well so i was on that crazy show it was a documentary reality series called stripped um on bravo it was all about having everything taken away from you for 21 days and what does that do for you um to me um you know i just thought i was going to be on a show and it was going to be no big deal um because i had been the bravo and e-space for many years dressing people um it was so not that um and it was very much having everything taken away and realizing that I didn't do well with that, that I, I needed my clothing at the time. I needed my makeup. I needed um, the, uh, you know, um, vanity, if you will. Um, I needed to, you know, look good all the time. And it was a very big lesson for me and learning how to show up with no makeup on and learning how to be vulnerable. I think that's actually was the first steps in vulnerability for me and being able to show up real and raw um, and be more authentically yourself. But it was really hard for me and being on camera and crying about it and, and venting about it to the producers and everything else, um, you know, was really hard. Um, but also it brought me, I think, closer to myself. It made me become more present uh, in my life to this day. It's taught me more about priorities and, and reprioritizing uh, it's helped me to just purge things out in general in my life and not hold on to things the way I used to. Um, and it's just given me a lot of valuable lessons. It wasn't easy going through it, um, but it brought me closer, I think, to my husband and our relationship. Uh, it definitely helped me get pregnant uh, after the show because I wasn't ready to. And then I went through all that, and I just felt a shift, and I felt like, okay, you know what? What am I waiting for? I'm not really present in my life. I'm not really showing up for my husband. Um, and it made me really change. Um, and so as much as it was a show – it very much affected uh, my everyday life. And I think it's had a massive effect on, even to this day, the way I've shown up, in, in the best way possible, to be honest. It was really 
as hard as it was to go through and then watch it on camera and watch it air, um, it was a blessing. And then as far as my career, to be quite honest, I actually think um, my motherhood journey did way more <laughs> than Bravo. <laughs> um, being really honest, I mean, of course, it was great to be on camera. Of course, I had, you know, incredible press and all these opportunities, and I was so grateful. And yes, people know me because of Bravo, and I'm sure – you know, it was a part of that that definitely helped build my career and brand. But I really think the actual show itself, like the actual lesson and what I went through and the transformation of it to myself it, and then brought me into motherhood, that's what actually did something versus the show. I'm sure the interview at People Magazine didn't didn't hurt either. The, um... oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they let me speak to my real, you know, authentic self. You know, they wanted to hear about my birth and the trauma and my postpartum depression. I mean, you know, like they, they really um, let me be me, you know, and that was a big deal being People Magazine, you know. Um, so, yeah, I, you know, I got incredible opportunities after that that really let me step into the realness of me. And that was something that, you know, wasn't welcome before. So I think the combination of everything, um, you know, with just the way stripped was and what the story was and everything really let me embody that and step into that more versus just being on, you know, a Bravo TV personality. I'm sure of course that didn't hurt and I'm very grateful for the opportunity, but I just think big picture when I look at everything now, I'm like, wow, it was really more about the fact that I had everything stripped away from me and what I learned and what that's done to my career to help me take off in many places. Yeah. And it's almost refreshing to hear that reality TV actually had a profound effect on our real life because the yeah. connotation and then kind of the stereotype of a reality TV is that it's, uh, you know, real people, but it's, you know, people behind the scenes kind of pulling the strings, which, you know, ultimately is, you know, probably true in some cases, but it's, it's great yeah. to hear that your experience actually changed your life and, and showed you a lot of things about yourself because being on TV and like being on a podcast and being, uh, in the light, Rather than yeah. behind the scenes, you get to watch yourself and you realize like that's, you know, obviously it's, it's you, but it's almost a different person when you're listening or watching yourself. Yes. And you're watching yourself and you're like, oh my gosh, that's kind of cringeworthy. And oh my gosh, why did I care so much about that? And, right. Yeah, it's for sure. You kind of like do shadow work while you're looking at for people that know <laughs> what that is. Like you get your shadows of yourself. You're kind of doing that like in real time, you know, watching these shows and, and, and observing and like, oh, okay. You know, and. And so, yeah, there was, there was a, a lot of that. What is, I guess, next for you? Like, what's sure, the next stage yeah. of life? Yeah, honestly, it's really stepping into breath work. Um, I really, I became certified um, as a breath work facilitator and coach. Um, I really believe this is an even deeper transformation than styling. Like I said, I fell in love with styling because the transformation of styling and how people really are transformed from the inside out. I truly have seen what the breath does for people and for myself of what that changes and how it's such a deeper level of transformation at the soul level. Um, I want to, I really have a big vision of bringing it into the styling world. I'm still figuring out how that's going to work. Um, but I really want people to be able to like breathe through living beliefs of what they're wearing and, and thinking they can't wear something or, you know, breathing through something in their closet that they, you know, have left there for years and, and don't know why they haven't worn it and all those kinds of things. Um, so I really kind of want to bring the worlds of energy together and still kind of dreaming up that vision. Uh, but I really just have been so amazed by what, breathwork has done in my own life and what I already have seen in other people's lives of um, doing breathwork sessions with everyone. I want to eventually do retreats 
um, online and in person in different places, um, bring in some type of uh, styling aspect of that, of like what people are wearing, how colors feel on you, how vibrations feel of something you're wearing. So I have a lot of big visions within that, and I want to bring uh, the worlds together as much as I possibly can. And, you know, I think just continuing to show up in a really authentic space, continuing to build my platforms of, you know, really empowering people, my new podcast, Awakening with Allie. I have really deep, raw conversations about wellness, spirituality, you know, ways to kind of look at life differently, to change your perspective, um, how to heal things, um, whether it be physically, mentally, emotionally. Um, they're just very awakened and deep conversations, and that's kind of where I get lit up right now. So I think just continuing to, you know, step into those spaces and embody them and allow the different opportunities that come from them, you know, and, and not really feeling like I have to pick one space, but just allowing myself to be multidimensional and show up in all of them however I can as authentically as possible. Please go listen to her podcast, Awaking with Allie. Please follow her on all our social media at Allie Levine Design. All right, for Allie, I'm Riley James, if anyone cares.